Okay, I think we are live. Uh, we are live, everyone. <laughs> um, welcome, welcome, everyone that's uh, tuning in right now. This is the Sankofa Arts vir uh, Projects virtual chat. This is one of three chat virtual chats that we'll have, and I'll give the other dates for the um, the other chats. And um, while everybody's coming online, we have some panelists um, here that we're gonna talk to. We have some um, attendees on Zoom. Thank you all for being here. We are also live on Facebook under Nikki Lopez uh, Creative, but this, will, this conversation will be uploaded to YouTube and also available on the WISE pages as well. So just jumping into it, my name is uh, Nikki Lopez. I'm an artist and curator. And I'm working with the LA Lee YMCA um, for this Sankofa Arts Project, incorporating some of the history of Sistrunk uh, into the new Y that is being built. And um, along with George Gatson, and we're gonna have some other artists. And so these are um, some people that are a part of the arts and history ambassador team. Um, who, you know, we're looking up the information and we're, I'm going to pass the baton to someone else to introduce themselves as we get settled into the conversation. Uh, and I'm going to pass it to uh, Miss Mary. Hello. Nancy, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. This is Mary Russ Milligan. I'm a Broward County trailblazer and I'm a born native of Broward County. I had a twin sister. Dr. Sis Trump was actually the doctor who delivered me in the first Providence Hospital. So this project is very much a, a part of my legacy. So in order to know where we're going, we have to know where we came from. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And you could pick someone else to introduce themselves. Um, Gabe? Sure. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. Gabe Ochoa. I work for the YMCA South Florida and really closely working with the uh, LLE YMCA, Mysore Community Center. Um, and we're, it's very exciting. We have tours um, on Tuesdays. So if you want to tour the building and see how it's coming along, just let me know. And uh, super excited to be part of the, this wonderful group that is really looking into the way how we uh, preserve the arts and the history within the building, as we know that's extremely important as we are on sacred land. So Dr. Kim Ray. <laughs> Good evening, everyone. Thank you so much for uh, inviting me in on this, this tremendous panel. I am truly honored to be here, uh, particularly uh, because this YMCA is going to be named after my grandfather, Dr. Von Meisel. And I'm just very honored to be a part of this and um, excited. We have a lot of rich history that um, could easily be lost and somewhat has been lost. Uh, so it's nice that we are kind of trying to go back in to the archives and relocate some things that we need to bring to light in this climate that we're in currently. And so I'm just super excited and honored. Um, Dr. James uh, Sistrunk actually delivered my dad as well. Um, and so they were, you know, good friends, uh, Dr. J uh, Sistrunk and my grandfather. So just very excited about this. Thank you. 
You're going to pick someone else. Oh, my turn. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's have Derek Davis. <laughs> okay. Yes, my name is Derek Davis. I'm uh, currently the president of the Trailblazers of Broward County. I'm also on the Broward County Historic Preservation Board. I'm the retired curator from the Old Dillard Museum, uh, the past head of exhibits and programs at the African American Research Library and Cultural Center, um, and just involved in uh, many projects in the community that have to deal with history. And I'm going to pass it to George. Thank you very much, Derek. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm George Gadsden uh, with George Gadsden Studios. I am uh, very honored and pleased to be here with this esteemed panel and to be a part of this uh, Sankofa project. Uh, I've got work throughout South Florida here, particularly on CISTRONC, the African-American Research Library, uh, the Urban League, um, the Sankofa bird there on CISTRONC as well, and just kind of all over the place. And one of the things that I, I am honored and, and, and glad that I'm able to use my skills and my talent to actually in some way preserve history that um, is so important in our community. So I'm so pleased and honored to be here. Thank you. Yes, thank you, thank you. I think everyone went. So, and we see, have Evelyn. Uh, good evening, Evelyn Chasen, community health worker from YMC of South Florida. Good evening, thanks for joining us. And we have some attendees. Um, in the Zoom. So if you have any questions, comments, you know, feel free to add it into the Zoom chat and as well on Facebook. So I'm gonna be hopping back and forth. And so I did, uh, we have a quick slide to kind of walk you through a little bit of uh, the project. <clears throat> we have uh, Sunny saying great job, Gabe. Okay, so let's see. <clears throat> Okay, so this is the Sankofa project, the Sankofa Arts project. Um, there's a number of things going on. Um, like I said, part of it is uh, history, um, talking about history, talking about legacy, recording it, you know, um, incorporating some of it into the arts of the new LLE YMCA that's being built on Sistrunk uh, um, as we speak. And um, there's a number of things. There's going to be um, about six or seven walls with artwork. Um, there's also going to be some community engagement. This is the first chat. We're going to have another chat on um, on the 25th and another one on March 3rd, I think. I'll look it up. Um, but we have a number of things. So we're incorporating arts, we're getting out into the community and we're sharing those stories and um, educating ourselves as well as everyone else. Um, so that's, um, and these are the panels for t uh, panelists for tonight. We have George Gatson, Mary Russ Milligan, Derek Davis, Dr. Kim Ray, Mizell Hill, and myself, Nikki Lopez. Um, this is the YMCA. This is just a, 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 a drawing of it, but this is what's being built. Um, if you want more on the project, you can go to whatsyourelephant.org slash Sankofa Arts Project, and you will see more information about the project. You will see links to the next events. Um, and as we move forward in the project, there'll be a lot more information on that page. So this is the next, these are the next two chats. So we have the, Next chat will be Thursday, February 25th at 6.30. And that is gonna be combining 
uh, oral history in a virtual space. So we would like for the community to come out. That will be a Zoom meeting. So it would be, you know, as many people register for the Zoom will be on the Zoom call. But that's a space that we really want to invite the community to come out, bring a picture, share a story, share something, that, you know, of you growing up, sharing something that you might feel personally that is history, is your personal history, is your personal legacy, is a part of the community. Um, this is a space where we wanna talk about that. Um, as much as we would like to put as much art into the why, there's, you know, there's only, you know, how many walls can we do, right? So this is gonna be another opportunity for us to, um, for everyone to share their stories and um, and be heard and recognized and, and, and to learn. So um, I love learning about, there's some history that I do know, um, being in the community and doing a lot of different projects with the Y and different people. I've worked with Derek um, a couple of times and different people on the project, but um, there's also a lot for me to learn as well. So, it's, you know, I'm honored to have this opportunity. And so I hope everyone's able to share and give and, and learn. The next one will be March 25th. And so um, we're going to have a talk with the artist. So right now I'm one of the artists. I'm, you know, curating a lot of the um, the work that's going to go into the space as a permanent art piece. Um, uh, we also have the principal artist, George Gatson, who's creating um, a, a two-wall um, installation. But we're going to also incorporate some other artists who's going to be working on different parts of the wall. So that would be a great time to see who those artists are, talk, a, see a little bit about what they're creating, and um, ask questions, share, and, and so you'll have that opportunity on the 25th. <clears throat> So the Sankofa Arts Project is at L.A. Lee Mizell YMCA Community Center's Community Art and Engagement Project. Um, I'm curating it and it's, it's meant to engage the community in arts and incorporated all the arts and the stories that we're sharing into the new building, like I said. Um, and so we're hoping to preserve as much history, to learn, um, to you know, really create a space of community at the Y. The y has been in the community a number of years, and now it's in a, you know, in a in a new space. And so, um, those are things that we uh, hope to accomplish there. So this is a little bit about the walls that we're working on. So art and history walls. The focus will be about the Providence Hospital. Um, which is the uh, black, it was a black hospital that was right on Cistrunk in that same space, the LA Lee YMCA that's been in the community a number of years, I think 70, but Gabe could correct me, um, um, as well as the Victory Theater. So um, the, the first um, set of walls will be, um, and we're gonna find out after this slide, George is gonna talk a little bit about his project and process that he's doing is gonna focus on um, the history and legacy of the Providence Hospital. Uh, the second wall on the first floor that will be across from the elevator is going to have like a monitor displaying um, the programming of the Victory Theater, which is a black box theater um, and other wide programming. And that space will also have a lot of art incorporated. And we're going to bring in different types of art, such as fabric art. Um, we're still building, so we don't have anything to show right now. Um, but this is just sharing with the community what we're up to. Uh, the third is going to be a word art wall. And so this is a wall that um, based on, there was um, 
George actually did the uh, community engagement and asking the community, um, what does the community mean to them? What does the why mean to them? And they gave um, a number of words, which you're gonna see in a few. And we're gonna create an art piece to honor all of those words from the community. And I challenge everyone on the call today to as when we see the when we see those words, what other words do we feel should be a part of that? So this is an opportunity for you to um, give your vo voice, your word, and to be included into what's being created at the at the Y. There's also going to be um, an MLK, I have a dream wall slash gallery space wall. So on the second floor, there's about an 80 foot wide, large wall space where uh, a portion of the wall is going to be developed to the I have a dream. Um, the LA Lee has an annual um, um, honoring that they do where they honor um, advocates in the community. They have a guest speaker um, each year. And so we're going to be on a space where we're going to see images of the former um, uh, keynote speakers, as well as people, the other awardees, as well as, you know, as we grow every year, um, there's going to be a space to add. There will also be um, a gallery space. So <clears throat> the other part of the wall is going to be dedicated to a gallery space that could be used in future programming to have art exhibitions and other programmings for the community. And we could showcase local artists, national artists, um, a lot of things going on there. Um, so that would be there as well. Um, there's also gonna be on the third floor a Victory Theater signage. So um, many people in the community grew up going to the Victory Theater. Um, and so this is uh, paying homage to that space. Uh, it's going to be a 250 seat black box theater with a lot of programming. Um, the director of, of the theater is Kathleen Dean. And so we have a lot, you know, that will be planned in that space. So we're going to have a nice signage to really um, welcome people into that space. There will also be um, a History of Victory Theater mural. So that's going to incorporate some of the history of Victory Theater, as well as some other things going on. There's, you know, there's actors from South Florida. There's different parts of history that we could incorporate into that space. And so that just kind of gives you an idea of the standing point of where we're doing. Um, okay. So this is one of the walls that, um, the word art walls. So uh, there was a golden sledgehammer demolition. <clears throat> that had uh, members of the community, board members. Um, and there was two um, spaces, we'll see at the second slide, where people were asked, how do you envision the new LA Lee YMCA Mizell Community Center can impact our community? That was the question asked and all of those words were given. Community, game changer, history making, the future, legacy, ownership, unity, moving forward, monumental, hope, intergenerational, giving, love, a haven, progress, new beginnings, creativity, unstoppable, consistent, progress, progress again, a journey together, hope, faith, healthy lifestyle, positivity, family, and excellence, opportunities, revolutionary, passion, what a blessing. So that was one of the walls. And the other one was um, what has the LA Lee YMCA Family Center mean to you? So this again is also from the community. Uh, difference in my life, living life more abundantly, family, friends, and love, exercise, meeting new people, 
good outlet, life changer, good peoples, family progress, improvement of health, love of each other, physical weight, staying focused, our kids' future, friendship, health improvement, a nice wholesome place, health, fitness, window of opportunity, dream maker, an opportunity, unity, community engagement and family, progress, a blessing, lasting friendship, love, strengthening communities, fellowship, love of culture, hopefully hopeful history, going beyond the norm, friendship, hope, promise, life-changing laughter, the power of love, many, many blessings, the new LAD YMCA, this power is God's, moving up, empowered, togetherness, family, heart of the community, health and friendship, bless, healthy life, God bless us, bless and RIS family. So these are the words that were uh, contributed. And so my question to everyone who's listening tonight is what word will you contribute? So we've heard the words from the community members of what they have already contributed. Um, we are working with an artist that is gonna create a, a, a nice signature piece as you walk into the Y that's gonna have those words. Um, incorporated to the piece. And so whatever throughout the conversation, you have a word, throw it into the chat. I'm Like I said, I'll be checking Zoom and the Facebook um, and we will incorporate that um, into the wall. So I'm going to stop sharing my screen and I'm going to uh, turn it over to George Gatson, who's going to be talking a little bit about his project and um, the process uh, surrounding it. Okay. All right. Give me just a moment here. Sure. Perfect. Can everyone see the screen? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you, Nikki. Uh, good evening, everyone. Again, I'm George Gatson. I um, just want to kind of share just briefly some slides that <clears throat> I put together for uh, the, the, the folks at the YMCA uh, as I was approaching uh, them with some concepts. And just to give you a, a little sense of <clears throat> how I operate, and some of you who are on this particular Zoom, uh, you as an artist, you're aware of kind of the process, but whenever I know that I have a, an art project that I have been asked to do, uh, I, I, I just sort of began to do some preliminary work, uh, some uh, preliminary research, uh, <clears throat> start to incubate, if you will, the, the, some thoughts and some ideas, uh, not coming with any preconceived notions whatsoever. So uh, as I moved forward, I then went to the, the, um, the library, the, the historical society. And as I'm doing all this, I'm thinking, okay, now what is going to be my objective here? And it really is to pay tribute and celebrate the rich history of Providence Hospital and to ultimately create a work of art that will be enduring and lasting for, for really, really many, many years to come. Um, so that being said, you know, there were, there were wonderful photos that were uh, available to me and I won't read through this all this information, but the inspiration basically came from the research with the hospital itself. Providence being was a general hospital. Uh, the history, of course, 
through the historical society and knowing what took place there as far as as far as here in South Florida uh, back in the 1930s when some black men were in, in a car accident and <clears throat> they were taken to um, Broward General and because of segregation they were refused service so um, that is what prompted uh, one of the business owners during that time uh, who um, actually just decided that Mrs. Allridge to, to do, launch a campaign and to raise funds in order to acquire a place where Blacks can actually be treated. And Dr. Mizell and Dr. Sistrunk, uh, both physicians here in 1937, uh, you know, Dr. Mizell was a native of, of Dania. They were the ones who spearheaded the beginning of this, uh, this hospital. And I call it the Center of Medical Care for Blacks here in Fort Lauderdale. Now, this is kind of where my mind kind of really went a little bit out there, if you will. Uh, when I think of medical and when you think of medical uh, health, et cetera, et cetera, and of course, knowing the historical significance of, and I'm gonna say this, not so much the building as much as the site, uh, the historical significance there I started thinking, okay, ancestry, uh, DNA, and how the art, whatever that ultimately would be, how that art can really connect to science and how it connect to medicine and to health. So I start going through a few iterations of ideas, and of course, I start did some research on the on the uh, on the DNA, and I'll show you more later. But here's just to give you the context. This is the inside of the lobby. And if you're looking just straight almost to the center, there is a wall here to the left, just right in the corner, is where uh, the work that I will be doing will actually be placed. So the wall sculptures, as I started contemplating the, okay, what might look good on a wall uh, as far as without it being too literal, at the same time, giving a, a suggestion, if you will, of medical, um, this was one concept which uh, wasn't the one that was chosen, but just to, I share this with you so you can understand just sort of kind of where I was going with a few ideas. Here, uh, the XY chromosome, you know that, uh, and folks, I am not a scientist or neither am I a person that's uh, have acumens, if you will, in, in medicine, but I learned a little bit more uh, I did pretty well in science in, in, in elementary school, but this was really eye-opening for me. So uh, in doing the XY chromosome, and here was a, a model potential sculpture that would go on the wall, uh, which again, the process is a process. Ultimately, uh, and then of course showing actually this particular wall, how this concept might look on the wall. Um, but again, we moved forward with another process taking these two and making, I said maybe a grouping of three of the potential design uh, with this form, but that wasn't the one that was the, the bingo, if you will. Here's the bingo. So, so doing the, the research and okay, again, medicine, how do I connect medicine? How do I connect the DNA and all of those things without being too literal. So if you look at this, ladies and gentlemen, you, you really see a stethoscope. 
uh, in a very abstract way. At the same time, in order to make this sculpture, uh, and by the way, the, this will be a wall sculpture that will be done in bronze uh, that would measure approximately about five feet in height. Uh, so it's a pretty, for the people I showed you earlier, it's a pretty significant size. If you note, if you recall that Miss um, Nikki has shared with you some of the words that were uh, given by you, the members of the community, and taking those words and actually embedding them into the, the sculpture itself so that there is that sense of connection based upon your, your feedback. Now, I will say this, work, art is a, uh, a process. And as an artist is creating the work, he or she remembers some of the feedback that they received from members of the community. And, uh, and I'll share this with you. I did a sculpture in Tamarack many, many years ago. I think it was in 2005, I believe it was. And did a community outreach, just as we're doing here, getting feedback from members in the community, just to kind of get a sense of what they would like. And of course, the um, day of the installation, and, and by the way, it was an egret. Uh, city, the Tamarack, very in the natural environment, it was an egret sculpture that I did. And there was a lady that showed up uh, as I was installing this sculpture. And her statement to me was, I thought we were going to have dolphins. <laughs> and I, I, I kind of chuckled and I said, well, ma'am, um, it wouldn't be appropriate for, for this location. Uh, and I says that I don't believe you were a part of the group in terms of the community feedback. Cause I says, I'm good with faces. I said, but thank you for your feedback. Uh, at the same time, those who were in the part of the meeting, uh, they did see some elements of their suggestions. So where I'm going with that is this, every, uh, the, the work that Vicki is doing and the artist, other artists are doing, gathering information doesn't necessarily mean and guarantee that everything and every word that's said is going to be a part and you're going to see it. But uh, looking for common threads, that's the key process. That's the key thing that, that we're doing here. So this is, um, and I haven't come up with it. I, I have an, a, a title for it, but I, I won't do that until probably after I sign the piece itself. So what I want to share with you further was just, here's that wall, uh, but more, more closely showing uh, the image. And some of this will change. The heart will still remain, but the images of the mom and dad, um, you know, it was suggested that we remove this and just simply have the heart. So um, you will see that in, I think I have some folders here to actually show that. So what I wanted to share with you is the process, you know, of how this model, if you will, now is really and in, goes into play. And it's, it's, it's quite an undertaking, but this is all clay, modeling clay. And I built what is called a, a, an armature as a human body, uh, the skeleton specifically, here I'm talking medical now, but as a skeleton is the a support for our muscles and, and everything. So it's, it's considered an armature. So if, in order for me to build my form or my sculpture, then of course the styrofoam I'm using here because it's lighter, uh, is, it serves as my armature that allows me to begin to create uh, the, the piece itself. Here is an example of actually uh, taking the letters uh, and actually impressing the letters into the clay. 
uh, unity was one of the words that I think you saw on the on the words uh, that that Nikki has shared with you. Here is the uh, some of the tools I'm using. Uh, the 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 clay of course is here, and then you see little bits of you see the e the g the a's and the c to the right there uh the leg the word legacy now i would tell you this folks these words may very well change so uh but just know that this is an iterative process and that's the way it is with the arts here here's the heart um you know the hearts uh, the clay is being formed there actually i started with two hearts one this size and one this size. And then of course, as I'm doing it, I look at the proportions to be sure that the heart is the right size for the, the overall piece itself. And this is the bottom of the stethoscope. Now, um, so this these are the, 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 the beginnings of, it's by no means is, is the work done. Uh, uh, we, we've got more things to do, but once all of this is done, there is a process where what you see here, I will make a mold of this five foot sculpture. Uh, the mold would be a, a rubber mold. And then that rubber mold, inside that mold, I will actually pour wax inside it. So just imagine a five foot wax sculpture that now after the wax is cast, I'll cut it into pieces, uh, probably 10, maybe 15 different small pieces and each individual wax piece will be covered with a refractory type with silica sand and, and, a, and a mixture thereof. And while the, the wax is in there, uh, we place it in an oven and then it, the shell is baked. And once it's, it bakes, the wax that's inside melts out and it's called the lost wax process. So now the shell is hard I, I should say this, it should be hard. Uh, I've had some accidents happen too. Uh, when the, we think the shell was hard and then the, uh, the, the bronze metal, the bronze is heated to about 2,800 degrees, poured inside the hollow shell where once the wax was. And this is a life lesson. The shell has to be ready, has to be cured, has to be prepared because when the heat comes and if it's not right, it will just bronze metal and molten metal will go everywhere. So I really love uh, focusing in on that because that's the way it is with us and, and our lives. We've gotta be tough. We've gotta be prepared uh, for whatever life brings us. You know, the, the, the heat will come and challenges, et cetera, but what we're made of in terms of intestinal fortitude will determine how we can survive and, and move forward. Uh, and this speaks, I think, also in terms of just the legacy and the, the history uh, that really is here in our community uh, and particularly at this particular site. And I believe that is the last image I have. And I just wanna thank you for your time. Okay, Ms. Nikki. Thank you. Uh, thanks, George. Hi, I'm super excited to see how that's going to turn out. And I uh, love that you shared so much of that with us. Thank you. Thank you. And before I get into the, uh, the chat, let me just uh, 
go through some comments. So I have a text from Lorraine Mizell. said, Dr. Sistrunk delivered hundreds of babies during the 40s and 50s. Um, and then uh, we have a couple of people. Let me see if there's any um, comments or questions. Uh, just trying to see. And um, Derek, I do see uh, Miss Lillian is on the, um, the in the attendees. Do I want to do um, want me to still bring her up onto the panel? Because I know um, you wanted to invite her to be a part of the conversation. She's um, very, very important in this conversation. Yes. Okay. So I'm going to think add her to the panel. I think it does. Oh, it could, let's bring her in. Um, Tara um, Montanero has says, wow, Mr. Gatson, that's an amazing process to create such a beautiful piece of art. I cannot wait to see it. Thank you. Yes. And then let me just check the Facebook real quick. So we had, I saw a few messages. So we have uh, Miss Sylvia saying hello, Nikki and guests, Patricia West, um, Connie McKnight, hello everyone, Scott Strawbridge, hello, um, Diana Melian saying good evening everyone. So um, yes. So okay, so let's get into the conversation and um, Everyone here, I feel, has, well, everyone has a, a unique perspective. And so some of the things that I would like to, um, for everyone to have an opportunity to share is um, uh, what's your, I guess we could just go through, we'll start with what is legacy and why is it important? So I won't put them all the questions together, but um, what is legacy and why is it important? And um, if everyone could have an opportunity to share, you know, what is legacy to them? Why is it important? Um, as well as why are they personally involved in this project? And so I'm going to pick on Derek Davis first. Because <laughs> I know he's just so ready. <laughs> oh, I didn't have to go first that time. Good. <laughs> yeah, I can go yes. first. And um, legacy is important. And because legacy is your history. And one of the things I think about when I was getting into history, because when I was young, I really didn't care that much about history. But when I, uh, because of jobs, got involved in it, I had to kind of like search what did history really mean? And one of the people I like to talk about that kind of opened my eyes to what history is, is a scholar named Sheikh Diop. And he actually talks about cultural identity and talked about the three factors that make cultural identity. And there's the historical factor, the linguistic factor, and the psychological factor. And just briefly, the uh, linguistic factor is not really language. He's actually talking about an in, inborn conversation that people of the same culture have. Uh, and that psychology is like the principles that he lived by. But when he talked about the historical factor, he says that history is the glue. Uh, it's a glue that makes a culture and brings that culture together. So when we think about, and I don't think a lot of times we think about that, that that is what actually links you to the other person is history. That's how we form a, a link between ourselves is through the history. 
And that history, because when he talks about history, he talks about not only events, but even he talks about the physical way you look. All those things are like the glue that hold people together. So that's the first part of why history is important because it's like a glue. Now there's another African concept, an Adinkra symbol that's called, and I probably I'm butchering the name, but it's called Inconsul Consul. And Inconsul Consul is uh, a name that it means the chains. And it looks like two ovals that are connected by a thing that looks like a hourglass to me in the middle. So they're connected, but it's like a little hourglass thing that holds them together. And for what I learned about this uh, in Consul Consul, what it represents is this ancestral chain. Uh, the, the people of the past being one of the ovals, the thing in the center being now the connection and the other oval being representing those who will come in the future. Because I think when we think about history, what we don't see or don't get at the first is we always look at history as just the past, but when you look at it from an African standpoint, History is this never ending story. It is a never ending story because the past connects to now and then it connects to the next generation. So history uh, and like Diop saying is the glue, it's what connects one generation to the next generation. It's the things that are inside of them that they kind of hold to and go from, like I said, from one generation to the next. So that's why I say we need to look at history as this never ending story, not as a, it's a, it's a story, but it's not the story in a normal sense where you say it has a beginning, a middle and the end. It's a story that's never ending. So it has a past, it has a present and it has a future. So the history is important because it brings people together. It, it gets that excited about who they are and why they are and what they've gone through and what problems they have to solve. So history is to me a very very important aspect but i'm not going to take up too and more time than my small small spot but just think of history uh and sometimes when i think of calling the history because i know some people say is it history or her story and i always say the best way to think of it is history is our story but it's our never-ending story not it's just the things in the past or uh, but it's that, that that african concept where the past connects with now, we connects with the future. Even with their concept of ancestors, they believe that the ancestral chain is what you are now, five generations before you contributed to that to make you who you are now. And you're gonna become the ancestor of those who followed you for five generations. So that's why I say it's a never ending story of that ancestral heritage being passed down from one generation to the next. Wow, thanks. I think that's how we started with you. <laughs> yeah, I chime in on, on what Mr. Oh, Davis absolutely, said. absolutely. And that's why legacy is important. Because what we are doing today, folks, even before we showed up here, and what we do in our communities and you do in your communities, you're creating history. And you're creating a legacy so that the young men and the young women, when they come uh, after us, they have patterns, if you will, and knowledge to follow. Uh, several years ago, when the trailblazers had asked me to do the, the Sankofa bird that's there on, on Sistrunk, the concept there was to, uh, of course, the Sankofa bird representing looking back in the past. And the, usually you see the Sankofa bird with an egg in its mouth representing the future 
but looking back in the past and their desire was their being the trailblazers was to as best as possible capture and Miss Lillian was very much a part of that is to capture the history as best as we could of Black Fort Lauderdale and those certain key anchors that later years young men and young women can go and read the plaque and understand what were the pillars of the community, people, places of worship, uh, economic development in the black community, you know, businesses, et cetera. So that legacy is about um, creating something so that people that come on after us can review it. I'll say one other thing and then I'll, I'll turn it over to another panelist. There's one of my favorite quotes is art is proof that anything has ever happened in the past. When you go to, you see uh, uh, wars, uh, countries taking over other countries, what do they, what do they make sure they confiscate? That country's art mm. done by artists because the artists are the ones that talk about and paint or create sculptures that talk about what happens in that time. So art is proof that anything has ever happened in the past. And I would like to say that, uh, you know, Nikki, I look at legacy also as having the true fact of its origin. A lot of time we go back, we, we review the past, and then we try to get to where we're going. But a lot of times in our history, which doing a lot of research with the trailblazers, I found that a lot of our information are not factual. And so therefore the legacy is not a true in fact itself because you have to know the truth. When our, our, our rights and our legacy was stripped away from us, all of our records, our archives were you know, just destroyed. When I do research and I'm going to these archive offices and I cannot find my family history or the history where I lived you know what I'm saying? It's just not there. So I believe that in doing, finding leg legacy is a thing of how you want to be remembered. And I, what I want my grandchildren and my great grandchildren to know is where I really came from, uh, the true story of where I came from. And that is why I put so much passion into what I do, because it is so important to have the facts. And to me, it's not true legacy if we don't have the origin of it. So that's very much important in doing history and research. So that's that's my take on that. Absolutely, absolutely. Anyone else wants to chime in? Yeah, I actually will piggyback off of Miss yes. Mary. Uh, I really appreciated her her point of view because it, it aligns a lot with my thoughts and. I mean, if you don't know who you are, where you're from, or how, you know what's in a name, how can you know your identity? And that's kind of what Derek was talking about with the identity um, uh, crisis, really. But um, we 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 can recreate history, right? We can recreate it um, to tell the facts, to tell the truth, and. Um, you know, there's these generations and generations of the stolen history, like Miss Mary was discussing, and um, you know, it's just important that we 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 make this now that we have the opportunity, now that we have the flexibility, 
to have a voice and to be able in this, like I said earlier, this climate that we're in, people are waking up and um, it's just the time now to, to be able to recreate history so that we can, you know, um, these future generations understand. And then we can create those word wall, uh, those word wall words into real life, the revolution, you know, the unity, the leadership, the ownership. And so um, I think it's just important that, you know, we, we, we do this because that is, you know, you can't, you can't talk about, uh, you can't talk about the future or what, what we need to do if you don't understand where we came from or who we are. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And um, I just wanna, uh, we have uh, another artist, uh, Nilda Comes, say a very interesting Derek Davis. I named my studio the Legacy Art Studio. To me, it's a continued continuity of history and every generation that leaves a legacy to the next. We all have a responsibility to leave a legacy and to teach our children legacies of the past. And um, we have also um, Kaula Nuruddin, who's another artist. Um, it's great to know that the Y is taking care to honor the community history and communal intentions for the future. So, and Miss Lillian, we'd love to hear from you. We do have Scott saying hello. It's great to see you, <laughs> and thanks. Um, thank you for joining us. So, um, could you share a little bit about you know, for you know, what is legacy to you? What is history? Why is it important to you? Because you're also with the Trailblazers as well, right? Oh, you're on mute. You're on mute. <laughs> I am still on mute. I'm sorry. We hear you now. Uh, yes. Legacy to me uh, is the sum total of all of the experiences that each person in a community has had. When you talk about the legacy of a community, uh, I've often said that you could have five children growing up in the same family and they don't experience the same issue or the same event the same way. Each of us experience whatever we are experiencing uh, in a different way from the next person. As I said, even with five children in a family, they, they experience something differently. When you talk about facts and truth, they're not the same thing. Something may be true, but not necessarily a fact. So we have to keep that in mind also when we're talking about legacy. When we are combining all of the experiences that people have in a community, gathering up all of the information and trying to discern between whatever you gather what is true and what is actually a fact, then you can create a legacy that makes sense. It does. But until you do that, it's not going to work out so smoothly. So in our community, when we gather all the information we need uh, to create this legacy, back to what Derek says, we got to think about the past, we got to think about the present, and of course, figure out how we're going to mold these two things and make a future that's going to give to 
those who come after us a true, or shall I say, a factual legacy of what we have had in our community. I've been a part of each of these uh, different things that you're going to be talking about. I, I worked at the Victory Theater. I worked at Provident Hospital. I worked at uh, all of these places that you're talking about. I was there when the hospital changed into the Mizell Library. I participated on that program. So I've got a lot of information to tell you about where the Victory Theater came from. I can tell you the facts about it. You might know it's true that it was in the black neighborhood, but you don't know what the real facts are behind it because it was not a black theater. It was not owned by blacks at all. And I could give you the history of Victory Theater because I worked there when I was in 10th grade. Then I worked at Provident Hospital after I got out of college. And I could tell you some things about Provident and when it changed to to uh, the Mizell Library, quite a few things, but I can give you facts. Mm -hmm. You're gonna hear mine from a factual side of your story, Nikki. And I would be happy to be a part of that, to give it. I'm excited, I wanna do it. Thank you for giving me an opportunity to speak tonight. Absolutely, absolutely. And it, 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 I'm curious if you could share one of the stories because like, for example, Victory Theater, and I know a lot of people are connected to the Victory Theater. Could you share you, from your point of view, why was the Victory Theater so important for the Sistrunk community? Well, the Victory Theater was important because first of all, that was the only theater we had. Secondly, the theater uh, provided a venue for uh, entertainment for people who wanted to, you know, sing and dance and that kind of stuff. It was a venue for uh, African-Americans during that time too. Uh, the Victory Theater was, was not a fancy place, but it was a place where people found entertainment that was outside of the, the bars and especially for kids who can't go in the bars or couldn't go in the bars. And it was just a place where, where you could go and enjoy yourself. I'm sure there are some things I'm not really thinking of at this moment mm -hmm. because I did not anticipate this question, <laughs> but I'm sure as I think about it more, I could tell you some more things about Victory Theater, why it was important, but most important, like I said, was it served as a venue. Amateur, amateurs who wanted to display their talents, they would, uh, you know, have a stage thing at Victory Theater here and there, you know. I have to say, the movies we saw, they showed them a whole week. <laughs> wow. But, the amount that it took to go in to see the movie was very, very reasonable. And the movie showed for an entire week at the Victory Theater. Wow. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. 
Um, and Gabe, I mean, you don't, don't want to leave you out here. <laughs> um, why is why is legacy important to you? Or if you could share a little bit of why it's important to the why to um, to create legacy to help to put this type of legacy into um, the building. Is uh, is tough to come after um, some incredible <laughs> feedback and and obviously meaningful. Um, statements about that. Um, personally, history for me sometimes I think is kind in a certain way because he allows people to really intervene and create history. They may not have had uh, the possibility to have done so before for whatever reasons, lack of access or or because they weren't from the area. Um, but usually when you are able to work um, side by side or follow um, leaders like those in the panel and many that I have had the pleasure to, to meet and be working for the why and give us the opportunity to see what we can do to then become that into that flow of the past and present and future and, and be able to support as much as we can um, everything that's going on. And again, the other, uh, Thing I think when I think about legacy is when I close my eyes at the end of the day and I think what can I do now that can change the world and become to at least do a little bit that makes it a little better place that's legacy and, and I think we all are trying to do that right now and it's I mean I'm, I'm overwhelmed with you know uh, an emotion and, and I'm extremely grateful to to be just part of it. Uh, Nikki yeah. can I ask a question? Sure. Uh, and this is for Lillian and, and Mary Rose because they were they were here. They were from uh, Fort Lauderdale and I was down in Miami when they were talking about uh, a theater and how important it was. Uh, and I know she said it, the, the movies ran for a week, but I, uh, and in Miami we had a uh, theater also, uh, we had a couple, we had the Capitol Theater and we had the, um, uh, the, the Lyric Theater. The Lyric. Others. Yes. And but as a child, going back to my childhood, you know, when you say theater now, uh, you know, you go to the, the theater, you see one movie and you go home unless you sneak into another theater. But I remember the theater that was sort of like a whole Saturday adventure uh, for us as a kid that you went in the, the and you saw uh, two features and cartoons. Uh, and then a lot of times you want to stay and see it over again. So uh, going to a theater for a kid, that could be like your whole day because you had two full adventures. You had sometimes had a serial and a cartoon and a movie and, uh, and another movie. Uh, and I was just wondering, was that the same type of experience they were having here in Fort Lauderdale or was it like that they do now where you go, you see one movie and you're, you're out? Very much the same. You could, uh, you could stay in the movie. Uh, <laughs> The movie was a babysitter <laughs> and yes um and especially on saturdays on saturdays the kids would come to the movies early uh movies would start early and they could see another movie in the cartoons it, it was similar uh derek i'm i'm pretty sure thank you i just wanted young people you know because they say oh going to the movie you know no, this was a this was a, a whole day adventure. Oh yes, popcorn. It was uh, being there with your friends. It was uh, 
uh, hot dogs. Hot dogs. It was a, it was an adventure. The uh, best. Yes. It was like a, it was it was like going to like a Disneyland or something like that because it was like it was a whole day feature uh, going yes. to the to the movie. I have Miss Lorraine uh, Meisel. She's chiming in via text. <laughs> she said, "Mr. Moreland, her uncle, uh, collected tickets at the Victory Theater." Um, that's what she was adding on. <laughs> Nikki, I would like to say uh, Miss Lillian was exactly right. The Victory Theater was truly a babysitting place. Uh, because I was one of those little ones that got sent down to the Victory Theater when my father would be cutting hair and my aunts doing at the uh, beauty salon on Fifth Avenue. So a lot of parents would either stroll down Fifth Avenue and go to the pool room or go to the Blue Flame Bar or, you know, the local grocery store or the pharmacy on the corner. So Fifth Avenue was actually the outlet for a family. So it wasn't just the corner of, you know, for where the Victory Theater was. It was Fifth Avenue itself that really made the Victory Theater. So I just want to share that with you. Yes, Fifth Avenue was a hub of the Black shopping district. Exactly. You know. And we need it back. We need it back. They took our Fifth Avenue away. <laughs> we need that now. I want to send my son somewhere and just pick him up later. <laughs> So I hope the Y is prepared for that babysitting service. <laughs> um, well, Miss Mary, I also wanted to ask you, because I know you grew up going to the Y and you're still involved with the Y to this day. What was it like, you know, going to the Y back then? What was it, um, what is your opinion of why it was important to the community or why was it important to you? And then to still be connected after all these years. I tell you what, I really enjoyed as a youngster, I would look forward to those uh, summer days. And of course, when you went to the Y, if you were under Reverend Dukes, there was a prayer that took place uh, in every day. So he was a praying recreation director. So, you know, there was a lot of strong values there. But I think uh, most of all, I enjoyed going to get on the bus and have our brown bag lunches and going to Sunland Park and doing the May Day. We wrapped the Maypole. So we had on our red and white, and that was something that we looked forward to when we would compete against other uh, cities, people from Deerfield, all throughout Broward County. So there was just a lot going on back then. There was a lot of memories. Awesome, awesome, thank you. Nikki, I could tell you some stories about the YMCA and especially under the uh, directorship of Mr. L.A. Lee, Lloyd A. Lee. Uh, of course, I was there uh, prior to, I mean, later on after there, I was at the YMCA with Mr. Porter Davis and I think uh, Derek you know, stole him and took him down to Miami somewhere. I haven't heard of Porter Davis since. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, when we were at the YMCA, Mr. Mr. Lee was, uh, he was just like a father to everybody. And he established the uh, high Y and the tri-high Y, different, uh, these were organizations within the YMCA, the girls and the guys, you know. And uh, we used to have dances on Saturday night, wonderful dances in that rickety wooden building that was up in the same spot where the YMCA is now. 
and we were there at the YMCA and oh boy, we had a good time until my dad came at 11 o'clock and said, go get my girls out of there because they got to go home. <laughs> but we had a wonderful time at the YMCA with Mr. Lloyd A. Lee and I think he instilled a lot of wonderful values in all of us who were fortunate enough to have gone there under Mr. Lloyd A. Lee. Uh, like I said, he had these various organizations, the Tri High Wire and the High Wire. And, you know, I think there's a Gray Wire or something else, you know. And then later on, like I said, I was there with Mr. Porter Davis. I was on the board at that time when he was there until I'll repeat it again, Derek, until they stole him down in Miami. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I, I think you got some explaining to do. <laughs> well, actually, I heard that's where he went, Nikki. I just, I just yeah. never heard. I never heard from Mr. Porter Davis after he. I don't remember. Uh, I don't remember his name, but Miami is not as small as everybody thinks. So <laughs> he could have been in the Miami. <laughs> I, I see. Um, Miss Lorraine is saying um, under. Lee, they would have weekend dances um, in the 1955 until, um, until uh, I don't know, whenever, and said her mom chaperoned every Friday night. <laughs> so. Yes, we had wonderful dances there. Yeah. And yeah. actually, it also served as a secondary venue to the schools. And, uh, you know, when you would have uh, different kinds of talent contests and things like that. You could go to the Y. Uh, I remember I was one of the organizing members of the Clover Rest under the auspices of the Federated Women's Club. And we would have our banquets there at the YMCA. So it served also as a venue mm -hmm. for things that we did in the community, not just for children, adults too. Because uh, there were some adult organizations around here that frequented and used the YMCA and supported the YMCA uh, very much, you know. Thank you, thank you. And Dr. Kimray, I wanted to kind of pull you into the conversation as well because you're the granddaughter of um, Von Meisel. Um, but um, you know your family name is connected to the Y, and I wanted to know if you could share, like you know, because there's some people who you know they have family who is important in the community, but they may grow up and just do their own thing. So, why is it important to you to still be connected um, to your family's legacy and the community? And if you could share a little bit about you know some of your family history and you know why is it significant for the Cistrunk area? Yes, well, thank you. Uh, well, I'd like to go back real quick to George and say that, you know, the DNA, DNA is everything, you know, the, how you're, you're, what's in your DNA. And, and so, I, you know, I didn't know that I was this man's granddaughter. And I mean, he's just my granddaddy, you know, I didn't realize that he was as amazing and as uh, tremendous to the community as he was. Till I started, you know, studying and reading about him, but because of course he was gone before I arrived, um, and I never had the opportunity to meet him. 
But, um, you know, I think it explains who I am, why I am the way I am. You know, I'm passionate about community uh, development, community engagement, and, and even act, you know, advocating, right? Um, so uh, I, I think it just, it, DNA is just, it's so special in that, you know, I wonder now, I mean, I used to wonder why, why do I do this? Or why do I behave? Or why do I, you know, why am I so passionate about this? Or, you know, the, this situation or these types of situations and things. And, and now I'm like, oh, I get it now. <laughs> I got it. I get it from him. <laughs> um, so uh, that, that, is, that is the first part, I guess, of your question. Um, let's see, what else you were asking me about uh, his, the history? So the history, I mean, he even, you know, his DNA comes from my great, great uh, grandfather and grandmother. They were um, pioneers and, and, you know, built the first school for uh, blacks uh, back then and um, had farm, were farmers, you know, they had the first, uh, they were tomato farm and farmers and things and um, church, first church for blacks. Um, so, you know, he, he came from that, you know, that DNA and, um, then he became, you know, this, this activist and passionate about social justice and, um, you know, uh, desegregating, you know, the, the community and, and wanted equal rights, um, you know, for the community. So, you know, outside from him being super educated, super smart, you know, and becoming the first black surgeon in um, Florida, he also, you know, was about the community. He's, you know, he didn't, he didn't sleep from what I hear. He, he was always doing something. And of course, Lillian, you know, can speak to this because she was his right hand, you know, would, would be working for him and, you know, was all in the trenches with what he was doing in every area of his life. So, um, uh, you know, he, he, it's, he was just more than, uh, the, the first black surgeon. He was more than the, the, the co-founder of the Provident Hospital. You know, he, he desegregated the beaches in South Florida. Uh, so they recently, uh, and I know my panelists know this, but maybe someone who's listening doesn't. So I did want to share mm -hmm. that, you know, they did recently, I think it was 2016, name uh, the former colored beach uh, that was once it was desegregated um, by him and um, Eula B. Johnson. Uh, she, she, Eula, so he founded the NAACP chapter down here and uh, she was his, um, she uh, was, what do I want to say? His, uh, the next in charge of the NAACP. And so she was with him during that time when they were fighting to get the beaches uh, desegregated. And although they desegregated them, they did not uh, want to take the name of the colored beach area or even the, the, the other, it was always the John U. Lloyd beach, which was actually 
uh, State Park rather, which was actually the guy who fought my grandfather for years in trying to keep them segregated. So um, they finally in 2016, you know, said, huh, let's let's actually name this this state park after Dr. Ron Mizell and Eula B. Johnson. And so now it's the first state park in the state of Florida that is named after a black man and a black woman. Um, so I'm very proud of that, you know, just to just to add, you know, some context to the work that he did for the community, um, the Cistrunk area and and Broward County overall. You know, um, he was just he was just a, a hardworking man, and um, I, I guess that's why he never really, you know, settled down with a family life. You know, like being a, a husband, and you know, he was just too busy um, for for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thanks for sharing that. Absolutely. Lillian, did I do okay? You know, you, you know. <laughs> the fact, the truth, checker. <laughs> do we have your stamp of approval? <laughs> yeah, I need you to co-sign. I thought, I thought you weren't going to stop. <laughs> but that's okay. You did, you did pretty good. You did pretty okay. good. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, we have a couple of comments. Um, uh, oh, Gabe, such wonderful stories. Emilia, love to hear the oral histories. Uh, Mark Russell, I enjoyed the history and the connectivity of community, as George stated, the DNA. Yeah, I love how that DNA just kind of um, took over the, <laughs> um, the, the program, which is awesome. Uh, Laura Lai, Lil, um, so very proud of this historical endeavor and the inedible endeavorable impact it will make. Thanks, Cousin Kim Ray, for continuing to carry the torch. Aw, thanks, Cousin. Yeah, and let me see if I have anything on um, Facebook. Real. Oh, we have Odessa um, Bennett, who's also on Facebook, um, saying those are great times. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And I guess, um, Lily, uh, this um, question will be to you or maybe Derek or whoever may want to chime in because we, we spent a little time on the Y and Victory Theater. Um, but I'd like to, you know, like kind of circle back to the Provident Hospital and uh, why was it important to, uh, because, the, you know, the YMCA is literally on that space, on that land. And so we, if you could share a little bit about, you know, the Provident Hospital and the significance for it you know, in the community and a difference, the impact that it made in the community. I worked at, I worked at Provident Hospital uh, just two years prior to the hospital being closed down. I uh, graduated from uh, college in 62 and I was hired there by the uh, director, Mr. Stern, uh, to work in the library department. So I was one of the medical records librarians at Provident Hospital. It was a very nice friendly place. Most of the people who were there uh, already knew each other and many of them were were right in this immediate community here, right in this, you know, right in this small area because we had not yet started branching out further west during that time anyway. But Provident was 
a nice friendly place. It was a wonderful place for people to work. And I think they enjoyed coming there to work at Providence Hospital. Everybody was uh, very friendly with each other. Many of the people who worked at Providence Hospital went on to, after the hospital closed, they had to go to one of the district hospitals. Many of them went to Broward General. Some went up northern uh, to Pompano, to the hospital in Pompano, but they still all stayed in touch and had those close ties to their Providence Hospital days. The hospital was relatively small. Uh, I don't know how many people remember or if they ever knew. They built later on the north side of the hospital, another building which was called the Sistrunk Pavilion. Because of all of the babies that Dr. Sistrunk had uh, delivered. And incidentally, I'm a Dr. Sistrunk baby. I'm one of those babies that he says, oh, you look like one of my babies. <laughs> I don't know how one of his babies looked, but I guess I did. He said I did. But anyway, there was a, a building in the back and it also housed, talk about mixed use. It also housed some of the people who uh, worked at the hospital for, for whatever reason, because I know the uh, the actual lady who was the director in the uh, medical records library, uh, her name was Lillian Scott, and she was from she was from Missouri. Isn't that funny, Lillian Smart and Scott and Lillian Small? We're working in the same space, but anyway, in the back of the hospital was another building, and. It was called the Cistrunk Pavilion. And that's where they started taking kids later on. Otherwise the kids had been treated right there in the main facility, right where the new YMCA is being built now. But back on the backside, the north side was the Cistrunk Pavilion. As I said, I don't know who else remembers that, but I do because I worked there. They had a nice cafeteria in there and you uh, you got a chance to uh, intermingle with everybody in the hospital if you so chose. And uh, it was just a wonderful place to work. I didn't work there very long because I was stolen uh, from the hospital by Dr. Mizell. <laughs> I, uh, I worked from the summer of 62 until March of 63 in the hospital. And I didn't know it, but uh, he chuckled about it many times and said, oh, I just wanted you to get some experience back there in that, in that room and, and learn how to do a little coding. And I knew you knew the vocabulary being a science major. I knew you knew all of the vocabulary that you would be, but uh, I wanted you to get some of that science code so I could steal you. And that's exactly what he did. And that's when I started working for Dr. Mizell and left Providence Hospital uh, several months before it actually closed because it closed later on. But actually, even though I left the hospital, I was given a key 
to come in whenever I felt like it or if I could to still do some work. And I could go at night because people were working there at night. Uh, after I left Dr. Mizell's office, I could go right there to the hospital, go in the medical records room and, and, and do some work. That's what they thought about my work at, uh, at Provident. And I enjoyed it very much so. Thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. And we have on Facebook, Odessa Bennett, who's the president of the Old Dillard Foundation, as well as a community partner for this chat. Uh, she said, my brother Bill Striggles left Providence when it was closed and went to the hospital in Pompano, North Broward Hospital, and became the first black male RN in Broward County. I remember the pavilion. Absolutely. I, he was, oh, such a gentleman. Mm. Such a gentleman. Yes, indeed. He passed pretty early, and that was very saddening to me. But I knew him and his wife. Yes. Odessa, you're there, huh? Yeah, she's um, listening <laughs> on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And I see yes. your brother was a doll. Your brother was, he was really a gentleman. Loved him. Yes. I see Dr. Kimray said our cousin Lorraine Mizell is also a strong baby. Yes. <laughs> he delivered a lot of us. Mm -hmm. Yes. A, a couple of years ago, I did a project with the, the Y, the, the Kiki, and they had several arts and history. And there was a play that was co-written by the children. Ms. Sharon um, led them through it. And so it was at the African-American Research Library. And it, the play was surrounding these kids from modern days going zap back to time and meeting three of the doctors. Um, I think you might've been there because it, I thought it was so beautiful at the front of the, the auditorium had some of the people who um, Dr. Sistrunk actually delivered. So I think you were there, it might've been there that day. Um, it was a, maybe like 2019 um, in February or something like that, but. Um, so. I was there. Mm -hmm. I was there. Yeah. I remember now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because mm -hmm. I have a picture and I, I, I love that, you know, Miss Sharon um, had the kids co-produce the play and that they brought in like modern times, but then they went back and they learned, you know, uh, a little bit about the history. So it was like based on facts, but it was, you know, a nonfiction play. And then to and have that did, connection with the- with They the, did a fantastic job. Mm -hmm. I still have pictures in my camera. Yeah, yeah. And I took pictures when they were performing, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. Yeah. Gabe was saying 200 people supported the kids' play. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, it was wonderful. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And George, I wanted to kind of uh, like circle back to you in terms of um, you shared briefly about some of the art that you've done throughout South Florida. And a lot of it is still connected to history and legacy and um, black excellence. And, um, and so could you share a little bit about, you know, why is that important for you as an artist? There's so many other things that I know you do other types of art as well, but why is that type of work important to you? Um. Thanks, Nikki. Yeah, that, that type of work is, is important to me because we know that unless we tell our story, the story may not be told the way it should be told. At the same time, 
uh, and I'll never forget this, uh, when the African-American Research Library and Cultural Center was, was being dedicated, uh, it was so telling, I guess, uh, that one of the, uh, one of the, uh, I can't remember the guy's title, but he was a high priest, if you will, from, uh, from Africa, I think Benin. And I think part of the ceremony was his uh, contributing or donating one of the bronze sculptures from Benin. And if you do some history, some research, you'll, there, there's bronze sculptures from Benin, which is, by the way, um, where the, the whole idea of casting work in bronze, uh, you could go back centuries and, and, and they're the ones who really in part perfected that. But the, the, the capturing of our history, from my perspective, I think it's just part of my, um, my, 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 I'm going to say the word my ministry, um, because it's important for me to know that when I leave this earth, that a part of me is in the work and the legacy is there for men, women, boys and girls to really see and understand. Uh, there's a, I love quotes. There's a saying that history is not history unless it's written down. Exactly. Now, it could be verbal, yes, oral history is important, but we all know sometimes when, when those who know the history, we don't capture their story orally, we've got to capture it some way, somehow. So the sculpture, for example, at the African American Research Library, it's really connected with the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama. Okay, the, 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 the bridge is what the piece is called. Uh, so, you know, reading the, the text on it, then individuals will, okay, reflect back, okay, the Edmund Pettus Bridge, the uh, Florida Memorial, Lift Every Voice and Sing, the sculpture that I did there, again, connecting to the uh, Negro National Anthem. So the work that I do is, is I think, um, just part of my desire to make certain that it's not erased. Uh, even in, in Pompano, there's at the EPAT Larkin Community Center, the sculpture there, our family roots. You know, when reaching out to the community there, uh, it was stated specifically that they wanted to make sure that the work spoke to the boys and girls in the community as they grew up, that they understood that in Pompano, almost everybody belonged to each other in some way or another because the migrations from the Bahamas, from, from Nassau, from the Carolinas, et cetera. And they said this, we do not want our kids to forget their family roots. So I do this because I believe it's part of what I need to do mm -hmm. to make certain that our story is told in some way or the other. And when uh, appropriate, in terms of budgets, et cetera, doing it in bronze, particularly when it's an outdoor environment, bronze is like the Rolls Royce because it will be around for centuries and therefore our history will go away. It'll be captured in the work uh, and, and, and our history. Uh, Nikki, can I add to that? Oh, absolutely. I was gonna uh, turn to you next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because when George was talking, he was talking about Dr. Eberhan uh, That's was right. The, was the the name um, priest who was uh, um, who donated several pieces uh, for exhibits and for uh, permanent uh, sitting at the African American Research Library. 
And one of the things that he talked about with the bronze, the bronze was very important to uh, the Benin because uh, in, in um, this is another exhibit they did one time by um, um, Babacar Mbo. And he did an exhibit and they called it Genifoli. And in that exhibit, he was trying to teach that in Africa, they believe that when an artist creates something, uh, this Genifoli or this spirit of the artist actually uh, becomes a part of that artwork. And whatever he's creating, there's like a, a, a spiritual uh, substance that uh, is in, it's put into that art. Yeah. And so that when others come, they can actually make a connection to that. In Benin, they not only have bronze statues, but they actually make the statues so people can touch them because they believe you make a statue of a king or you make a statue of a particular story, when that person comes and touches that uh, piece, some of that genophilia, some of that spirit actually uh, becomes a part of that person. And so when you're saying art, it's really, you're, you're making a connection. Just like we're talking about that history of that glue or when uh, Diop was talking about that uh, linguistic factor, that inside expression you find in there, that the art has a way to making that connection in you. And it probably does go all the way down to your DNA level that that is impressed inside of you. And Africa recognizes that. And with their art, they, they put the art there so you can make a connection with those people and, and, and be a part of it. Because like I said, if they put a statue, like if they put a statue up of the person who's the king, people will actually, if they can't get to the king themselves, they feel that they have access to the statue of the king. Uh, so it makes a, that art gives them a connection. And so when we're doing art now, it's actually the person to make a connection with that, uh, the history and the artist who creates that piece. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and Nikki, I would like to say that, you know, I view art as a method of expression that tells a story. And, and that story can be told in so many different ways, whether it's through fabric or whether it's through drawing. Uh, no matter what it is, but it's, it's like Eric said, what we're doing now is an art, even though there's a language art. So art to me is so important in life because without that, there is no history. History is the art of life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and I do have um, the president and CEO um, of the YMC of South Florida, Cheryl Woods, uh, she said, uh, please let everyone know I'm, I'm listening in and so proud and honored. So thank you, Cheryl, for tuning in, but she wanted me to share that with everyone. Um, the other question I wanted to pose to Derek um, and um, I guess George might be able to answer this too. Um, in creating, you know, like there's, there's, what are some ways that people may feel like, okay, there's a lot of art, you know, in terms of um, like Mizell and Sistrunk, uh, some of the people that we know of. What are some ways that people can try to gather some of the information from their own family's history and legacy and, and, and connect it to art? I know Derek, you also was a part of the Old Dillard um, uh, Gallery um, and Old Dillard Foundation as well. And so what are some of the ways, because um, there are some art that we already know, we see it, but what about someone who's saying, well, I wanna to try to create that for my family, for my legacy, or create that, where do they start? What are some ways that they could kind of 
document what are the things that they hold on to there's so many stories like what what makes their story important and you know yeah. well first of the things you're saying that the that their story is important because mm -hmm. so often when we talk about the past people their first reaction <clears throat> is if it's bad let's cover it up uh mm. let's not talk about it uh even like they're talking about it let's move on and what the true story of art tells you is that you, know, you don't have to move on, you have to digest that. And art helps you to be able to digest that history and get it where you break it down and make it so as something to help to build the future. So when people, first of all, they have to know is you got to start sharing some of the stories with others in your family. You need to open up. And then when you start mm -hmm. sharing, I mean, we have so many ways now that share and let somebody turn on just their phone to record it. And once they, it's recorded, you know, if it's, you know, take pictures of people, you know, you don't know how long that person is going to be here, uh, get some pictures of them, get some pictures uh, or artifacts that they have, uh, like touch them, like you touch some of the things that they have from, from, from the past. We were talking about how art, but even the artifacts they have, you want something you can pass on to the next generation so they can actually touch it because it, to me, it gives you that aha moment when you can actually touch and feel something that was from uh, a person before you. Like we were talking about, this, it's still something passes uh, from that, you know, from that person that had it before, and now you have it. You can actually touch that thing. So they should get those things, to tell those stories, and get some that documentation of, uh, of writing it down, videotape it. Uh, but have some way that you can save that and pass that on to the next generation. Because when the next generation hears it and it's something that is true, it to me does spark something that's deep down inside of them uh, that, that says, wow, you know, I really, that, you know, the person is gone, but I've actually now touched that person <clears throat> something that they had or through some story about that person. And you can see like, uh, 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 Dr. Mazel was saying that, you know, when you find out this other person in your history had some of those same things, it does give you that wow inside, uh, like validate you, to give you that, uh, that you know, ump or something inside of you kind of uh, wakes up and says, that kind of, it's, it's a validation. And that validation makes you go out and do other things. So to record them, uh, transcribe them, and find a way to make them a part of, if, they, if they're, you know, find some of the museums, some of the, even the art projects that you do, go to them and then share some of the stories behind some. I know because Nikki, you are often doing those collage things, get it and make the collage and take it and share it to your family and tell them why these things you put in there are important because it's really those stories that make most art um, important. It's not just the art, but it's, what was being trying to be expressed with that art that actually makes it uh, uh, mm -hmm. important and makes it so future generations actually value it. Derek is right on point with that. Um, my mother passed away in 2016 and my daughter, we were at my mother's house one day and she said, grandma, she said, I wanna know your story. And she brought out the phone and she started videotaping my mom and my mom told the story. So you're, you're right on point, Derek. Something just came to mind that, that, that you all can do as well. And that is, this is thinking outside the box. You've heard of time capsules, mm -hmm. right? But time capsules don't necessarily have to be buried in the earth. 
you know, time capsule has, has, you know, photographs and, and, and tapes or documents, et cetera, that, you know, usually municipalities do this. And then 25 or 50 years later, they dig up the time capsule. Well, um, why not do a time capsule and have it, in fact, at the city of Lauder Hill, in their, in their lobby is a uh, mosaic time capsule that myself and another artist did for the city of Lauderhill. And inside that time capsule are documents. So your family uh, heirlooms or, 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 or photographs or things that really mean a lot to all members of the family and a, and a wonderful time to do it is at a family reunion. Make it a, an opportunity for the family to bring something that, that, that they want to be remembered by and create time capsules and don't bury them in the ground. Just make sure that they're in a safe place and you can pass them on from generation to generation to generation. And you know, 25 years later or 10 years later, you pull out the time capsules and you reminisce and you tell stories about the time, what was in the time capsule. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, I think also, um, and Derek kind of hinted to this, and, you know, you did as well, um, with modern technology, you know, we have phones, we were able to create our own history and legacy and, and, and what we feel is important just with our own technologies. Right now, we're on Zoom, we're on Facebook, this will be on YouTube. Um, and so I think it was Amelia who mentioned that this is oral history. But in our time, we could capture that oral history because, you know, as things are passed down, you know, like Lillian said, the truth and the facts, they kind of, you know, they, they, they're not always the same, but when you have technology, you could a you're able to capture that and go back to that and have an actual uh, thing to, um, to pull from. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, and learn how to protect it too. Learn, and when I say protect it, I mean, um, if you got photographs, a lot of people think, oh, I'm gonna take a photograph and I'm going to laminate it. Don't laminate photographs uh -uh. Uh, because the, the, the laminate is an acid and that's actually going to eat away at that picture. And it, it's better to go and even buy, if you buy some of those uh, uh, cheap, um, what do they call those things? Pocket. Uh, what oh, the them? little plastic sleeves? Yeah, the little plastic sleeves uh -huh. that are poly viewed. It says archival. Put your photographs in those types of things so that they will actually last. Uh, don't even get the pockets that if they don't say archival, don't put it in there. Because usually when they don't say archival or uh, doesn't cause sticking, that means that that type of plastic you're putting in is uh, has an acid base and it's, and it's eating away at it. And if you make a video of someone, save it several times so you have multiple copies of it. You know, don't just say, oh, I got it on my phone and I don't want to, and, you know, it's mine and I'm not going to share it. No, find some ways so you can save it and look at some of the formats that you're saving them in. Um, when you take pictures, I know a lot of people like to use uh, JPEG pictures and save JPEG pictures. A JPEG is a, uh, is a, a type of format that always compresses. Uh, when you take something that's a JPEG, every time you save that JPEG, it goes to a little... Uh, algorithm that kind of uh, tries to make it smaller when it's saved. So each time you save it, you're actually making the picture less than it was before. So when you save it, use a format, they call them uh, lossless formats, uh, 
PNG has a losses format. PNG has both. It has a, a format that um, that you can make it where it's at the high level where it doesn't. And then PNG has one where it has a format that every time you save it, it's doing the same thing that the JPEG. Uh, with, our, with museums now, they're looking at the TIFF format, the TIFF format. Save some of your pictures in the TIFF format because the TIFF keeps all the information it, when it say it, the files are larger, mm. but just buy some of the disk space for, for some of the things that are important to you and save it in those formats. So with all types of things, when you, when you are talking about the uh, uh, artifacts that you need to keep them sometime in something that keeps the, the bugs and the, and the, um, in the air and the light away from it so you can have it for future generations. So learn how to protect the things that you want to pass down to the next generation. Because when George was talking about those, um, what do you call them? I forgot the name of them now. Those time, bot capsules. Uh, time capsules. Time capsules. Mm -hmm. Time capsules are usually made out of something that protects the things inside the time castle, capsule. So even when you're thinking about the things you're getting, like your photos and all of them, you usually think, am I putting this in something that is going to help protect it and make it last for the next generation? Yes, thank you, thank you. We have um, Facebook, Dan is saying, good to know, and Patricia was saying, a crash course in preserving family history. <laughs> so, yes, thank you. I, I think it's definitely important information for all of us to know, you know, as we move forward and for, you know, many on the call who may want to start collecting and creating that legacy for themselves as well. So, thank you for that. So I think, you know, I, I'm just really enjoying the conversation. I'm so grateful for all of you that, um, you know, that's here on the call, as well as, you know, the people, the, all the panelists. Um, oh, Dr. Kimura, I love Time Machine Idea. Lorraine Mizell is asking if we can do neon lights on the wall of the Victory Theater and make it look um, embodied like the original theater. Actually, you know, that is one of the concepts that we're playing around with, that wanting to put some neon. So we have to, you know, um, uh, see what's that going to look like, and what's you know, uh, of course, there's a, a cost factor, but we're we're that's actually one of the ideas that we're all kind of excited about to see about putting some neon, whether it's in the the name of it or something incorporated on that wall. So, yeah, so she's actually on point with that. <laughs> so. Um, but yes, I could um, talk here all night, but I do want to be mindful of everyone's time. Um, you know, I want to thank um, all of the panelists. We have Derek Davis, George Gatson, uh, Gabriel Ochoa, Dr. Kim Ray Mizell Hill, Mary Russ Milligan, and Miss Lillian E. Smalls. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I also want to give a special shout out to our community partners who. Um, you know, helping to share, spread the word about it, and also, you know, helping with some of the research and information. Um, we have the Trailblazers of Broward, Old Dillard Foundation, Davis Columba Arts, Create, Black Broward, and the Arts and History Ambassadors of the L.A. Lee Mizell YMCA Community Center, um, as well as, you know, to, to the Y, you know, thank you for creating this space. Um, I love having conversations like this and getting to um, share stories, to learn stories, to uncover um, forgotten stories. Sometimes stories are intentionally forgotten um, and sometimes people just don't know. So this has definitely um, been a beautiful night for myself as well. And um, 
enjoying everything. And thank you to the people who are in the attendees um, on Zoom and we have on Facebook. Um, if anybody wants to watch this, it's gonna be on the Facebook under Nikki Lopez Creative. I did post in the, um, the chat, the next upcoming chat. So the next upcoming chat is gonna be February 25th and it's gonna be a community oral history of Sistrunk. So we're really, you know, please help to spread the word. We're really hoping to have um, people from the community come out and it'll be a broader conversation. So, you know, um, we want everybody to get an opportunity to, to share a piece of their own history or a piece of the, the Sistrunk history, you know, um, that they have. Um, so that's definitely um, something we're looking forward to. And like I said, um, on March 25th, we'll have the artist talk um, I also put in the link, you know, all the information will be on the What's Your Elephant um, um, website. What's Your Elephant is a program that uses the arts to create a safe space to talk about the unspoken. So I'm just, you know, so honored to have an opportunity to work with the Y and work with everyone here um, and to collaborate in this way to, to bring about this project. So thank you so much. Um, thank you, thank you, yes, thank you absolutely. For your hard work. And, yeah, and really well, this together because um, we all have busy schedules, and to to grab folks with busy schedules to come together at at this particular certain time, and and you sending out all the the notices. That, thank you, thank phenomenal you. job. Yes, Nikki, that's one of the things I wanted to say. You're doing a phenomenal job in being a connector and connecting everybody. And we thank you so much. Uh, I, I do just want to just kind of like be really clear though, um, because I don't know if, if I feel like we're not, we're not really saying what we, we're doing this for. And we're doing this community because we want your buy-in. We want you to understand and be a part of this and not say, you know, once it's all up on the walls and we're done and, you know, we're excited and we're thrilled with the work that's been done. We don't want you to say, hey, you guys didn't even ask me or I have this or I have that. So we are collecting photos and you don't have to give us your hard copy. You can, you know, email us or so maybe there's a way, Nikki, that, you know, outside, maybe you can share how they can submit mm -hmm. anything to us, um, you know, so that they can kind of really, really understand what this is about. Yes, we've learned a lot about the history tonight and it's been a great conversation, but why are we doing this? We really, really want them to be a part of this. Mm -hmm. Nikki, I would like to I would like to say thank you, first of all, for such a wonderful show tonight. And I would like to see this go even further. I would like to see it go into some of the churches because that's where our history really started from back in the day. And so I I think that would be a great thing if we can invite a church or to be a part of our show, you know, maybe one at a time or something of that nature. And also in the school system, if we can reach the school system and get our children more engaged and understanding what history is all about, they would appreciate a lot more and become more involved. Then their parents would be involved. So we need to find a way to bridge the gap and bring us all together. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, well, you know, I, I wouldn't say that this is a start because there's definitely instances of this that's been throughout, you know, the count, you know, um, 
Broward and um, the Y has definitely did several projects similar in, in aligned with this. And as well as George and Derek, um, myself, you know, all of you have been in some form of um, history sharing, history making, legacy building in some form or fashion. So this is just one of those steps in that direction. Um, but th thank you, Dr. Kim Ray, for mentioning and kind of centering why we're doing this. We definitely want to um, include as much as the community um, uh, voice as possible um, to get everyone involved, to get everyone excited and interested. Um, is everything going to be perfect? Probably not. Absolutely not. You know, but you know, I think that everyone that's a part of this project um, and who's chipped in in any way has uh, good intentions for trying to get as much as we can into you know the capacity that we're doing and so and i do agree with you mary that this is you know needs to be in other places so i did put in the zoom and the facebook chat the link there is a form if you have information specifically on the providence hospital victory theater um, and, and as well as the LLEY that's been in the community for a number of years. Um, but also, you know, stories that falls outside of those, you know, that next chat is gonna be a great space for that. This is being recorded. Um, so my intentions is, you know, that the Y will have this, you all would have this, you know, there's um, history of Fort Lauderdale that's in our community in different places that we could have um, this type of, you know, documentation um, and you know, seeing how it could get submitted, um, and I'm also open to other um, things. You know, if if someone else has an idea of like, hey, we need to get this video here or get this audio file there, um, I'm definitely into um, getting that feedback um, because it takes a community, right? So we're all, you know, I may know one thing, you may know something else, he may know something else. But when we come together, we're able to make something really beautiful and impactful and magical and something that's historic. So um, definitely, you know, anytime we're able to create more of these opportunities, you know, um, we could uh, seize that. Um, we have some, oh, thank you, Nikki, Tara, Gabe. This was an amazing learning experience. You all rock this. <laughs> thank you. That was um, sunny. Um, so, so yeah, with that being said, I'm going to wish everyone, unless, you know, someone else has some, some closing remarks to say, um, trying to get us out by 830. Um, we've been here like, you know, for a little bit, uh, hold on, let me see what was on if I, oh, Miss Odessa, thank you for making this happen. Absolutely. So, um, it's definitely, um, I'm so grateful for all the people that I get that, that helps me to make this possible and to move this forward because I definitely could not do this whole big thing by myself. So um, I'm gonna say good night unless anyone has anything else and I will see you all on the 25th. Good night, everyone. Thank you. Good night. Good night.